YoMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. In the next few weeks, the StarCityGames.com Open Series hits Denver and Minneapolis for the first time ever, and these events are going to be huge. We're talking hundreds of players, over $10,000 in cash prizes, at least eight players qualifying for the 2010 StarCityGames.com Invitational, live coverage on the StarCityGames.com website, tons of side events, and as much Magic the Gathering as we can pack into one weekend. So make plans to join us at the StarCityGames.com Open Series in Denver or Minneapolis. Hey everybody and welcome to episode number 35 of Yo MTG Taps. This is Joey Pasco. What you're about to hear is part one of our coverage of U.S. Nationals. This portion features both Patrick Chapin and Michael Flores as they do an impromptu round of testing the matchup between Mike's Pyromancer Ascension deck and a new Soul Sisters deck that came out of the tournament. Speaking of Soul Sisters, we also have an interview with one of the deck's designers, Sir Conley Woods, and we speak to Star City Games' own Ben Blyweiss about the weekend's hot cards and the upcoming rotation. But first up, we have a prologue of sorts from Big Head Joe as he looks back over the experiences of the weekend. So, like so many great movies, let's begin with the ending. Big Head Joe here. I'm walking to find some breakfast Monday morning in Minneapolis. Um, I just wanted to add a few things to the podcast just briefly. Uh, I just wanted to say that this weekend was one of the most surreal experiences of my entire life. I can't imagine how it could have been any cooler. Um, we set out to do what we wanted to do. I don't feel as though we did so much, like, straight coverage of the actual event as we did, like, more of, like, I guess, to use a word that Mike used this weekend, cerebral uh, kind of a podcast where we kind of captured the, like, we captured the essence of what we experienced this weekend um, at Nationals, and uh, I feel like that's the, to me, is the more entertaining uh, podcast rather than going, oh, here are the top eight decklists, because you know we're, you're going to get that stuff from everyone, and that's good stuff, and I mean, we at least touched on that, some of that stuff at some point, um, but really, I mean, how many other times are you going to hear Mike Flores and Chapin, like, sitting down? and just, like, going at it. I mean, that was, like, that was so stupid fun. Not to mention, like, I got to hang out with Craig Wesco, and I had a beer with him, and got to talk to him about, like, his uh, whole controversy that he had recently. And Craig seems like a really cool guy. Like, I just wanted to say that, you know, I don't feel like he was trying to do anything, anything lame. I think he was just doing his job as a player. I also wanted to mention that uh, the next day we did a draft. It was me, Joe, Lauren, 
Brian Kowal, Mike Flores, uh, Brad Nelson, Gavin, Gavin Verhey, and another guy named Brian, uh, who I did not know. So uh, they set up me and Joe as team captains, assuming that we were like the worst players there and not a bad assumption either. Um, so <laughs> Joe gets pick one, and Joe goes, Gavin Verhey, and everyone starts cracking up at his pick. And I go, Mike Flores. And then Joe's like, um, okay, Brad Nelson. And I'm like, Lauren Lee. And she was like, okay, Brian Kowal. <laughs> so, and then I'm like, uh, what was your name, dude? Oh, Brian, yeah, I'll take him. So he, he slow rolled his pick of Brad because he knew I would snap keep on Mike Flores. But anyway, uh, my recording time is up, and I don't want to make this any longer. So just enjoy our, our podcast. Bye. Yeah, MTG test. I can't even. I don't even have time to, to intro this. This is Chapin and Flores arguing about Jake. So here you go. Right. You said it's the every card's better than it. No, no, no. I did not. In say the stand, that's not, you said for cards in the format, there's Chase the Mind Sculptor, and then everything else has to be at least that good. No, like I think that, that's a quote. For the most part, we play all tier one cards. Okay. Like that's the thing about deck design now. There isn't any. There's just tier one cards. And no, see, I, no, 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 that's not true. Just because some people don't do it doesn't mean that other people don't. Like, my Esper deck was my Esper deck was pretty awesome for pre-M10. I made the mono-white deck, which was so awesome. And then, like, they put Mana Leak, and then none of the decks that I... Like, I put a lot of work... I didn't... So adapt. Yeah, I did. I changed to this deck. But I didn't have enough time to, to do something. Like, the mono-white deck was just an honestly remarkable deck. Wait, it, it didn't build itself? You mean there's a deck builder out there? Um, the thing we were actually scared of was when it came in se- a crappy version came in second in that PTQ and like Rabbits was like nice job playing in the casual room <laughs> like I actually was very surprised that deck didn't take Four. off because it beat everything it, just, um, it doesn't kinda, beat blue white decks it's not Eight. close that it beats blue white decks horribly it's bad pilots say it don't then they don't know first of all they didn't have almost second of all like we played like probably 40 games like blue white wins like maybe two games in ten. They can't possibly win. Why didn't you play that deck if it's so good? You can't beat... The problem is... I thought you said nothing beats it. No, no. You can't beat <laughs> Mana League now. Like, there wasn't Mana yeah, League Yeah, blue-white. Huh? I'm only talking about now. Yeah, oh, no, the Mana White deck good isn't now. good enough. No, not yeah. good enough. I was saying before I'm 11. Oh, you're saying it was the best deck before... before the... Hands down, it's the best deck before I'm 11. Oh. It's another great deck that never was. Um, yeah, I, and I wouldn't let the Canadians play it. They wanted to play it in their nets, but I didn't. I didn't know that we were gonna have a different format. <laughs> well, they didn't have M11. No, did but they, they ended up actually having M11. Oh, okay. And like KYT was like, no, please let me play it in, in my nets. You learned your lesson about sitting on decks from the the no, ideal. No, no, but this this was V no cert. We actually had oh like, V no cert. We had a three hour podcast once, and V no cert. He's like, no. <laughs> About the mono white. About the mono white. Like, okay. At the okay. time, it was like he said. He said even if it ends up not being good, there's no reason to like put people on on a track where they could think differently. Like it's just so. I mean, it's, it's like part of it's like predicated on on um, the blue white decks not playing a lot of counter spells at the time. But even the ones that have counter spells, if you're playing a swing with Jace the Mind Sculptor with your counter spell deck, you'll lose roughly 100 percent of the time. How, how do you beat? In, That's a very rough approximation. How do you beat? <laughs> how do you beat Ayavugan, Emrakul, Tectonic Edge? Besides, I'm talking about the mono white, the white weenie deck they're playing. Oh, that I that. Which deck are you talking about? Yeah, I, I thought you. Were <laughs> All the people who did well are playing white weenie. 
the white life game. No, yeah, the, like Sarah, the deck with the life game. Sarah Ascendant. No, no, the the deck we had was a uh, white two. Game four, draw, draw card. Um, survival. Yeah. Uh, no, but our deck was like a slow old draw deck with uh, with uh, all the stuff so in a million mana. Your deck that nobody played yeah. from a format that's passed was good. Is the thing you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The breakout new archetype also happens to be on the white white life game deck. Oh, I did. But it's actually good, and people are winning with it, and it's for this format. Did they did they make top eight? How many of them? Is it? Like I, I haven't seen who, who's Gavin. Brad, Gavin just Wait, lost. Brad played. Brad did right. No, Brad, Brad played Nelson. Oh, Brad played Dredgemine. Okay. Ochoa yeah. played Dredgemine, right? He beat. Um, he oh, beat Gavin. Brad beat Gavin. Gavin's playing mono white. Uh, uh, but I don't Conrad know. Conrad played mono green ramp. I don't. Is, I don't think there's any of these white weed decks in the top eight. Is to, there's Conley and Tom Ross and people. No, there's three people. Conley, Tom Ross, Gavin, and Gavin. Right. That, yeah. I don't think any of them. No, none of them made that. Right. But I mean, they were they were all up there. Though. That's still the we best performing that, new archetype, right? Right. We, I we, mean, nobody we, knew about it. But two I days just ago. like, can it possibly beat Ascension? Like, I looked at the cards. No, but like, Ascension can never beat it. Why? That's like they just gained some. Like they just played all their guys. They never, like, uh, whatever yeah. it is they said. They said that the matchup's unwinnable for Ascension. They just keep playing out all their guys and gaining so much life. Like Ascension can't even go off. I don't understand. Yeah, like Gavin took twenty-seven damage in one turn and went down to sixty-six. Like, but they, was, like you, Ascension deck can't even do it. They just you just loop until you have all your pyromancers ascensions. And well, they then, also have Warpriest. You like that card? Okay, <laughs> I like Warpriest, but decks that aren't like threatening you with a Sovereigns of Lassalar never put an Ascension deck in a position where the Warpriest will hit an Ascension. It never happens. If you're a really fast player, I have Lightning Bolt. Right. I, I mean, I don't know how fast their clock could be. This deck wins on turn five. I know they they, they can, can win, win on, turn on like five. turn four, turn five. Yeah, they can definitely win. I, I mean, I'll play. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I, I saw the deck list. I'm like, that's cute. I don't think it could ever be essential. <laughs> oh, you want me to grab one? Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, that'd be that'd interesting because cool. yeah, I've never seen the I would like, but yeah, I'd like to it see just it seems too. to me like if the essential player just plays carefully, that they're just going to do forty points of damage per turn for the next six turns. I'll be right back. All right. <laughs> Update. I'm just going to apologize for the, for the people making announcements because we obviously can't really control that. But um, I, and I'm, I'm I'm a little too close to the microphone. I think just a second ago, but right. <laughs> Michael Flores told me to just shut up, so I'm just going to let him talk. Um, <laughs> I got nothing to say. <laughs> Full disclosure: my earlier intel from Gavin. Is disputed apparently from Conley and Tom Ross's opinion is uh, I don't know, never really thought about it. Uh, <laughs> and Conley's opinion is you should you should probably be able to have chances. <laughs> I mean I just I I just see how if I take all the turns, eventually I'll have all the ascensions in play and I'll cast four lightning bolts per turn and they're all gonna do twelve. Oh man, my sideboard is so good against you. Yeah, let's Board see. In like fourteen. Yeah, let's see. How much damage can you do with your 13? I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'll have to have to comment. We got we got four co- nice core deck. firewalkers, two relics, <laughs> two, re- two relics a war priest, and eight blanks. That's what a war priest. There's a war priest in there. I am so never war priest going to like a brave the elements or something. War priest. If I explain my ascension, it's because I have a mana leak that I'm going to use to power up the ascension. Right. What if we borrow this die for a second? Absolutely. Absolutely not. High roll. 
Which is easy to roll a one. But that was a high ass roll, Pat. I'm gonna play. Just kidding. Just kidding. Not really playing. Oh, yeah? That's how it is? God, I hope you double mulligan. Uh, I don't know. I just beat that polymorph deck on double mulligan when I thought he was blue weight control. <laughs> Did you good. did you think he was blue white control because two, you because he said it was blue no, white control two, like in, in your one game? I had two consecutive matches where I thought my opponent was blue white control, but I was wrong. Was so, it was it the feature match? In the feature match, I was like, "Yo, Colossal, what deck are you playing?" He's like, "Blue white control," and I'm and like, you said, "Isn't that look, a little cerebral yeah, for yeah, you?" And I'm like, <laughs> I look at my opening grip, and there's like Pyromancer's Ascension, two lands, two Spreading Seas, and I'm like, and like a Ponder, and I'm like. I could probably beat Blue-Eye Control 100% of the time with this. I just need to draw lands, and Spreading Seas draws lands. So I go, land, ponder, there's like another Spreading Seas, I leave it on top, and he goes, Savage Land, and I'm like, <laughs> plays his first spell on turn five. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't have lied. Is this a... No, I know, but no, 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 hold on, no, no, no. Yeah, we've got to do the play-by-play play here so that, uh, <laughs> so that you guys know what's going on here. They're just, Patrick is deciding whether or not the mulligan. Can we explain exactly what's going on? Got no pressure. Uh, yeah, if you guys couldn't hear it, basically the argument is whether or not the new mono-white life gain deck can beat the Pyromancer Ascension deck. So, uh, so Michael J is playing Ascension and, uh, Patrick is playing mono white. Pyromancer's Ascension. I was just like, I figure he'll stop playing lands before I do. What the hell kind of a deck is this? <laughs> <laughs> is there like a lion in this? Oh, you could, I'm sure you play a first turn 1-1 one, one, one life point, right? Yep. Oh, they're announcing copies. So Flores turn one preordained, Patrick turn one, Soul's Attendant, which is the uh, Soul Warden. <laughs> Nobody clapped for that guy, poor guy. People were like, I don't know who that is. I didn't hear what they said. Oh, okay. Oh, really? Um, Flores goes to 19 off of Scalding Tarn. He's got an island and a mountain in play here. It's turn two, he passes. Shapen swings with the uh, Souls Attendant. And plays a Soul Warden. You guys want to keep track on paper at all? Yeah. 23. You could have. Uh, an another, another Souls Attendant. So, do you want... I'm probably going to need a pen and paper for this. Yeah, that's what I thought, so. I thought for a minute I might have to respect your cards, but I'm, I'm just going to cast this now. <laughs> <laughs> so Flores is playing uh, Beyond. I always get them wrong. I actually got a, almost a game list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... Wait, like uh, all, all different combinations of, <laughs> of spells. You, you, yeah, yeah, something to do with forcing or something. Yeah. So what am I on? 18 now? 15? There's like not even a, like a crusade. No? 15. I'm going to lose this game. It's going to be bad. <laughs> soul Warden. Oh, another Soul Warden. So we have... Two Soul Wardens and two Souls Attendant. He just gained... Three more? 26? Yeah. Like three or four. Three life there. Youthful Mission... Lone Missionary. Lone Missionary. So I gain eight more? 
respect. Gains eight life. Thirty-four. What am I at? Fifteen. Fifteen. This is that was that was turn three, right? And you're at thirty-four. I'm down to thirteen. Um, Flores just Shit. broke a scalding tarn and gets his third land. You think this is a game? You think this is a joke? Two scalding tarns. I mean, I'm definitely gonna lose, but no, he already oh, broke oh, one I'm scalding tarn. Right, oh, you're right. Okay, sorry, sword I didn't see that. Yeah, he played his. He that was his fourth words. land. Sorry. Okay. I didn't miss that. I thought it was their previous scalding tarn. So he's got island, 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 mountain. Plays a four C. Four to the bottom. Yes! <laughs> Dang it! Puts all four on the bottom. Go. Do I have crusades in my deck? I don't think so. I don't think so. Alright. There for six. Yeah. I do it seven. Patrick attacks with all of his creatures for six damage, putting Flores at seven, and then plays Ranger of Eos, gaining five life. There, four life. Do you have anything that does anything? Um, there's a Johnny's Pride Mate, I think it's supposed to be pretty good. I mean, like, hate with hate. Do I have anything that's... Oh, like, right, right, right. Do I have one drop that affects the board meaningfully? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know that there are that many white one drops that affect the board too meaningfully. So he gets two of the, uh, what is it, Sarah's? Okay, there's Sarah Ascendant. There's Soul's Attendant and Sarah's Ascendant, which is where a lot of confusion was, uh -huh. was coming, but yeah. Soul Sisters is like seriously, like Soul Sisters is one of the worst names for a deck ever. Cause it's like a reference to a train song. That could be anything. Anyway, it just makes me sad. Yeah, I know that's the power of suck. Sure. I haven't been uh, keeping you up to date here, but Flores is basically digging through his deck. That's that's enough to tell you. He's uh, every time he's he plays a ponder. ponder, I commit another soul ward into the board. <laughs> exactly. So like every ponder equals like five more life. Something. For the next game, I'm actually going to mana leak one of your two drops. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm sure they got a lot of value in the tournament from this exact scenario. It's a very challenging oh, deck actually, to play against. I'm just going to cast this. Oh, I don't have another thing. People are like, I don't want to oh, counter I'm that. Gonna I'm going to cast this thing. Flores plays preordained during. Patrick's main phase, but... <laughs> Alright, so... One. So, you're, yeah. Flores manages to save himself, puts himself at one life from uh, Alpha Strike, um, from Chapin, and Chapin plays two Sarah Ascendants. Uh, Sarah Ascendants. I gotta, I gotta remember, you know, get that ingrained in my head. Okay, Flores scoops. <laughs> Cool deck, man. You got a nice deck. No, no, don't, don't board, don't board. <laughs> I, I, I can't board because I have, uh, I have my proxies for time warp are burst lightning. You can just proxy. No, no, I want, I want to play like this. Oh, you want to play game one tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let me know when you agree that it's unwinnable game one, and we'll move to the sideboard. <laughs> I just manage that stupid load missionary. <laughs> you have too much pride. I, I, I mean, there's nothing worth countering, man. I, get, cash it in for anything. I mean, like the fact that I lost that game with three mana leaks in my hand that I could have cast. <laughs> it's just like, it just nothing mattered. It was just like every card was so terrible. 
it's kind of like like next level bent was kind of along those lines where it was no, like you didn't want to get rid of those creatures. This is worse. No, one like, of them draws I mean, like, a card. One of them gains <laughs> right, that's a what life. I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like, do, 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 like you get that? Like they're like, oh, I'm gonna cast this sick. There's card. a very valuable lesson to be learned here, though, man. You Gain can't one. underestimate your opponent's cards, no matter how bad they are. You know. Hey, you gotta do the commentary this time. Chapman taps the planes for a Sarah ascendant. Gains life from Soul's attendant. Mike says, "Island go." Chapin goes to twenty-two after playing a planes and attacking with a Sarah ascendant and a Soul's attendant. Mike Flores carefully playing around the mana leak. Now the ordains. Don't leaking anything. Yeah. Pat Chapin playing around the mana leak. Now that Michael Flores is <laughs> tilt leaking every, everything. So I can't even tilt leak here because Michael's he's, he's just going to play a fourth land and then tap for some horrible <laughs> one mana card. <laughs> so, he starts well, this deck was engineered time. to defeat like players who just net deck, so. Did a fine job. Sure. Dude, it's, un it's impossible for them to win. It's not even close. He, he didn't even do damage to me last game. I ended up at 46. That's true. <coughs> I also played... <laughs> he had too much pride. He wouldn't counter my lone missionary. He was saving his leaks for the good cards. I didn't know. That's one. Of the, that's like the only one with two power. It's like the Lotus Code. Really. <laughs> Except when you kill <laughs> The boss just said that lone missionary it's is the Lotus it's Code. It's like the Lotus Code, bro. These are the boss. Except you already got your value out of the mission. Is this why Brad said you lost your your, your mind? A real matchup? No, he's uh, lost <laughs> he my mind. Why are you guys doing this? Are you kidding? How can he lose? How can he lose? I lost the first one. I, I lost the three mana leagues in my hand. I refuse to counter any of these horrible Maze cards. My <laughs> Elspeth is about to jump some stuff. There's a, that's a real card? What happened to, what happened to the, the, the <laughs> tilt leaking? <laughs> so this one's going to get big, right? Yeah, so you take five. Uh, five, five. No? What am I at? You're at 12. I'm at... I gained five. No, I gained four. I'm at 26. Is that on the bottom of these shelves, right? Yeah. I honestly... Flores reading Ponder for the first time. Right. I still don't know <laughs> what, what, what order to cast them in. <laughs> How do you choose? I, I don't choose. I just... Whichever one's in my hand. I, that's what I did. You see how this order? Those were all four in my opening hand. So... I, yeah, I, I just wasn't looking. I just <laughs> the wrong one. <laughs> one counter on the Ascension. Draw this. Sure. Ship. Uh, yeah, I'm down to 30. And I'm at, what, 7? How big is this ship? It's currently a 6-6. Six, six. Pat Chapin has a Abyssal Persecutor with lifelink and no drawback on the board. <laughs> yeah. It, was, it only costs 1 mana. doesn't have trample. Like, it was like a trick, and he's just like, real cards! <laughs> well, else All right, I'm at 30, and you're yeah. at 6. Yeah. I'm just gonna lose this game again. All right, I'll uh, I'll jump Souls Attendant. Uh, You're bolting Souls Attendant. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to take whatever that is. You're at six. What are you gonna do? What else are you gonna do? All right, I'm gonna attack you, Sarah's Ascendant. Uh, I guess I'll kick her this. 
I knew it! Real cards! I knew it! <laughs> Can I try so, to look again? Uh, I should have just killed you instead. <laughs> so he just tried I, I to uh, lightning bolt the soul's attendant in response to being jumped. And then uh, he went to... Uh, I had the kill! I was just messing around with the stupid insta There's two time warps in my hand and a force C! <laughs> I just wanted to stupid cast into the royal on the stupid Bokasaris attendant. That's all! Do you understand? I had the kill in my hand! Do you think you're the first person to tilt? It's <laughs> part of the plan, man. Yeah. I also cast the, the absolute worst order of a... Uh... It's really hard to play against this deck. <laughs> it, it, the, the first time it was, it was very hard. You think you'll have better chances in three? Yeah. No, that, three out of five. Three out of five. Three out of five. So... We're going, we're going to game three. So yeah, so um, to, to finish up the end of that game, uh, Flores went to uh, kick an into the royal on the uh, Sarah ascendant, and in response, Chapin cast uh, Brave the Elements on the Sa or not, it's not one anything. It's just creatures, white creatures you control. So yeah, Brave the Elements blow out. Fantastic. I have eight Lin Malas in my deck, and they always draw it before me. Sorry about that, BK. It makes your god. It makes everything invincible. Remember, you once told me like Jid is really bad because like you pay four mana before doing anything, like just nothing. jid has been really bad in a lot of formats. So like I mean, that's just how I think about all these Lin Malas and Mark of Asylums and Cunning Spark Mages. They're just survival cast. He says survival caches is out to involve. Which is spark much. So you have another preordain? No. I'm going to expose my uh, whatever this is. Mike's going to expose himself. <laughs> he plays a Pyromancer's Ascension. Start by uh, swing for three. Yeah. Chapin oh. goes in for three. I'm up to 24. I have you at 15. It's close. 24 to 15 in favor of Pat Chapin. Okay, Oblivion Ring this time targeting Pyromancer's Real cards again! <laughs> Real cards yeah. targeting Pyromancer's Ascension. I actually shuffled my end of the world back into my deck, too. This totally changes. My I tried game. to tell you, this deck's really good. Sort of. <laughs> I don't even know what to do anymore. Like, nobody does! <laughs> I was, that was supposed to power me up. <laughs> Kill your Sarah's Ascendants. I'm supposed to have a fully powered ascension right now. Well, you're lucky I'm not ascending. Are you kidding? Uh, might go see beyond into double bolts right. on I'll two Sarah ascendants. Tectonic Edge, which is useless in this I have matchup. You at 14 and myself at 25 after I play a ranger. Yeah. 14 to and 25. Two more ranger Vio searching up two Sarah ascendants. Mike Ponders. Uh, X. Five. Mike plays an island. Another ponder. Pass the turn. Alright. Uh, this time let's get in there for four. Yeah. Yeah. I have you at ten. Yeah. Myself, I'm... Oh, I'm still at twenty-five. Alright. I'm gonna play Sarah's Ascendant. Yeah. Game away. Twenty-six. So, Sarah Ascendant. I'm gonna play... Chapin goes to twenty-six. Sarah's Ascendant. Man, a leak. You got it. Are you just excited to play Mana Leaked? Shiny Sarah Ascendant got Mana Leaked. Other Sarah Ascendant gets bolted. Uh, I'm, out, I'm out of spells, so... 
There definitely is a playset of Sarah Ascendance in Patrick Chapin's graveyard. So Mike's doing something right. I'm attritioning him out. Mike goes call to mind, bringing back a ponder and ponders. Cracks a scalding tarn, going to nine. Yeah, this is going to be embarrassing. Pyromancer's Ascension meets the same fate as the other one with an O-ring. Attacks with a Ranger of Eos and a Soul Warden. This matchup seems insane. <laughs> Mike casts his game-winning spreading seas on Tectonic Edge. That, that is the best card in Type 2. <laughs> Not well, no, I mean, like, blue card. Obviously, all the white ones are better. Oh, I can't win fight. What if this deck had Jace the Mind Sculpt? That was our, like, the point of arrogance. I was lulled into a false sense of security by the mono-horrendous cards shown in games. Dude, I don't make fun of your nice deck. Why are you making fun of mine? This is like, these are all the cards I have, man. <laughs> uh, so, in the, in the play for a PAX, there's like some poor child who's playing this deck that BDM almost played. And it's just like, core, I don't know the name of it, but you draw like, for an enchantment getting played, and he's got like the green guy that can only be blocked by guys are like <laughs> the gnarlet yeah yeah he's got that right? and then it's like core spirit and so like lapilli's playing like a, a real model blue control deck and he's actually getting smashed and he like rips jace the mind sculptor and he plays it and the kid like does it he's like all right unsummon it. he's like with what he's like it's like the minus ability and then so he like unsummons some dude who's got like 40 enchantments on it right <laughs> so 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 then like um then he's like Aether adepts his, like, Ornarlid, so he's, like, stabilizing. And then the kid just, like, plays out, like, more and more of these white guys. I don't know the name of it. Then he's, like, brings... The and then, Spirit Dancer? Or what yeah, 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 Spirit, spirit Dancer. Right. So he, like, brings... And then, like, Lapilli blocks. He's, like, Eel Umbra after blocks to draw three cards. <laughs> like, eats his Conundrum Sphinx. <laughs> so, then, so then, like, Lapilli's like, oh, whatever. He has another Jace. He's just like, I'm Brainstorms. He's like, he's like... What, what? That's the zero ability? Like, the kid's, like, honestly never seen Jason the Mind Sculptor before. He's like, so, like, anyway, long story short, Lapilli is forced to remove all of the counters from his Jason the Mind Sculptor to continue to unsummon things that have, like, 14 enchantments on them each while getting, like, getting mashed. And then he loses. That's, this is not as bad as that was. So, okay, so you're saying this is not the, the not worst not deck in the room? Ugh. The first game, mono one ones attack. <laughs> so like forty one ones in play. I don't understand how your guys don't just die. All go, go to the graveyard. <laughs> what do you? What, what do you like? Kill them? No, I mean like other opponents. Like they have like. Dude, we have different plans for different people. Some people, you know, that, as far as I can tell, your plan is to put out a hundred one ones. <laughs> I mean, they have forecasting cost cards of multiple styles that just produce one one. You see why I said that they're soft against blue white? <laughs> Elspeth actually, right. like, if somebody else, else plays an Elspeth? With boards. If somebody else plays an Elspeth, they can't even win anymore. It's like a guy every turn. This is game five. And this is the one that Mike will win, maybe. 
Austin Mike actually just won a game. The first real game. That was the first real game. Did you, I thought you had something to say. Sticks. You leaned forward. I thought you were... You yeah, were I was ready. leaning forward. I, I mean, I, there's no need to rub it in. It's 5-0. Right. You, you had the win right there, right? If you would have double-jumped yeah, the one token. Yeah, we're for style. These right. are the real games. <laughs> okay. I mean, he gets blown up by into the Royal, though. That's the props. Okay. And Mike's definitely not whining. There's no reason to whine, right? Like, you, you've got a killer deck like Ascension, which is just clearly the best deck in the format. This is Joey Pasco with uh, with Big Head Joe. Right? Hi, I'm Big Head Joe. And you guys know who I am. We're, we're here uh, at U.S. Nationals with Ben Blyweiss of Star City Games. We're just going to talk to him real quick about uh, some of the some of the hot cards over the weekend from both Nationals and Star City Denver. So, uh, how's it going, Ben? It's going pretty good. How you all doing today? Very, very good. Now you have a flight to catch, so we're going to make this pretty quick. Sounds good. Um, so, what have uh, what have people been asking for, and what are the breakout cards as far as your, you know? Like I said, both tournaments go. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of the uh, the Soul Sisters deck. Just everyone's been asking for Sarah Ascendance. Uh, when we came into this weekend, I think uh, most people were selling them around two fifty to three dollars. Mm-hmm. And by the time we're leaving the event, uh, most people had them marked up at five to six. Okay. And it was definitely a really popular deck at the uh, open as well. And a one copy place in the top eight. Uh, but there were dozens of people that were playing the deck, so it counted for about ten percent of the field, from what I understand. Wow. Okay. So, um, and, and and Felidar Sovereign you mentioned is that one? Um, that's that is that in the deck? I didn't realize, or is it? It's a lot of people are starting to use that as a sideboard tech to win the mirror match. Oh, okay. Uh, because that makes sense. Basically, if you're both just sitting there gaining a ton of life, you need some way to just end the game. And Felidar Sovereign gives you a way to just say, "I drop him," and if you don't have the Oblivion Ring, you, I win the game. Right. Right. So. Right. Sounds about right. So, uh, Dredgevine showing up. Right now in the top eight in multiples, right? Is it two? How many Dredgevine decks are in the top eight? Have you heard yet? I haven't heard. It's they, at they least two. I heard it was at least two. Yeah, it's uh, Nelson's playing it, and uh, I think Ochoa is playing it, um, and and maybe more. I, I don't know. So uh, Renegade Doppelganger was like a, a crap rare. Has that, has that seen an increase recently? Or? It hasn't yet. Uh, a lot of casual players aren't too big in that card, and it's not the uh, big and flashy card in the deck. It's sort of the workhorse card in the deck. Right. So I think it might see a little bit of a price bump. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be a breakout card just because it's limited more or less to this type of deck or maybe a dredge-style deck in an older format. But it's not a card that is going to have a, a mass appeal across different types of uh, demographics in the game. Right. Like something like Avengevine, people look at that and like, wow, you know, 4-3 haste creature, and it comes back, and I can play this in all my decks. And they look at Renegade Doppelganger, and they say, well, well what's this thing do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for innovative deck builders, you know, it's a great card, but I, I kind of liken it to Extractor Demon, where that's also getting played in the deck. It had an entire dredge deck built around it in Type 2 that was, you know, Renegade, but placing top 8s at major events. <laughs> but no one wanted Extractor Demon, because... Casual players looked at it and they're like, "This is kind of a clunky card." It's right. like uh, Limduel's Vault. Like literally, the reason why that wasn't played in Legacy because it had too much tax, right? A lot of <laughs> cases, yeah. I'm not reading all this. Like, this, <laughs> this card sucks. Like, um, so so Fauna Shaman seems. To, I mean, it's it's seeing play in multiple decks. We're seeing it in in Dredgevine now. We're seeing it in in Naya Shaman decks. Uh, next level Bant Mythic combination deck going on with. Uh, with Fauna Shaman, has that seen... Have people been asking for that a yeah, lot? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there are just some cards in M11 that I think people anti-hyped, even mm-hmm. though it, was, it seemed pretty obvious that these cards were going to be really strong tournament cards. P3 
people are kind of resentful about cards that start out really high and then drop in value. Uh, you know, Time Reversal is a good example. Yeah. We were selling out of them at between $20 and $30 as a pre-order, and now it's a you know, $5 to $8 card. Right. But by the same token, you look at something like Primeval Titan, and it starts at $20, and it's an obviously powerful card. Mm-hmm. And you look at what happened with Baneslayer Angel when it came out in M10. It started around fifteen to twenty dollars and ended up peaking around fifty to sixty. Right. Um, and that's when white blue wasn't really very popular. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, Baneslayer wasn't getting played too much in the early days. Yeah. Um, you look at something like Primeval Titan, where you see Wizards is pushing big mana creatures more. They're pushing ramp decks, mm-hmm. and you just look at that card and say, "Well, this is just Baneslayer waiting to happen again." Yeah. But people don't want to pay $50, $60 for a Type 2 card. So yeah. there's just this anti-current, it's I like guess. A backlash kind of yeah, thing? a lot of backlash where people want to not have to pay that for the card, mm-hmm. which in the beginning just gives a lot of negative word of mouth on the Internet, but it isn't necessarily what's happening with people buying the card. So there's a lot of semi-pros, pros who are... Not wanting to go on the record saying, wow, this card's amazing and it's going to be in everything. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I look at the card and I'm like, wow, this card's amazing. Buy them now. You know, right. This is Baneslayer waiting to happen again. And Fauna Shaman's pretty much the same case. It was the most hype rare in the set. And the same thing happened with Noble Hierarch. The same thing happened with Knight of the Reliquary. Yeah. You know, people look at these cards and say, wow, these cards are great, but, but what if I don't want to pay. Yeah. You know, they're so high. And what, what if they go down? And Right. You know, and what happens is they are that great, and they end up going up in price. Yeah. And, and, it's just... and even with uh, Knight of the Reliquary right now, um, people are just dumping a lot of their Type 2 stuff. Mm-hmm. And some of it's not going to get played in older formats, but I look at Knight of the Reliquary, and it's already broken through in Legacy and the Terror of War deck. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be, I think, a really big player in the good. new Extended. And that's a card that I wouldn't want to really offload too cheaply right now because it just really has a bright future less than six months from now. Agreed. Right, yeah, I agree too. And Noble Hierarch kind of falls into that same category where it's it's kind of like another another option for birds, but it, giving that extra power. Uh, maybe, not, maybe not as influential as Knight of the Reliquary, but at least it's still... I think it's yeah. going to see some play in older formats. And people are really banking on fairies and overextended mm-hmm. and sorry the new extended yeah new extended right new extended and i just i don't think fairies is going to be the deck to beat uh, fairies was already starting to fall to the wayside when it was coexisting with john mm-hmm. um and there's just a lot of different options in the format of really powerful cards and wizards has just made such a push to make creatures more powerful since fairies came around just in the last three years that i'm not sure if fairies can keep up with a really dedicated red burn deck given it you know lightning bolts back and you have right. incinerate in the same format and you have all these different burn spells and spark elemental so yeah i agree like it seems like i think fairies can be a deck but it's not going to be fairies as we knew it in standard I th- yeah i think that a lot of the really strong type 2 creatures right now are going to be the ones that dominate over uh, dominate i keep saying yeah. overextended, overextended I got new extended brain right now <laughs> but new extended mm-hmm. um and I just don't think that some of those older decks are going to be as dominant as they were at the time that they were in standard. Right. I agree. Um, are there so so? I guess. Do you feel like? Um, can you give us any examples of cards you think are maybe on the rise, and then maybe some other cards that are, are worth uh, worth maybe maybe you know it's time to dump them. Um, I mean, anything Jund is going down to some degree right now, mm-hmm. and. 
I think you may have missed your opportunity to cash out in that if you were looking to. Right. Um, but some of the stronger Jun cards, um, like Bloodbraid Elves right now are really plummeting, and I think Bloodbraid Elf is a card that you'd want to buy now because it's only going to go back up in a few months. That's a good uh, point. Maelstrom yeah. Pulse is another card that, even if it isn't tournament played, it's casual friendly. And to be honest, right now would be the time where all these staples that were $10, $15 rares or, you know, $3, $4 uncommons that are coming down in value, um, those now's the time to buy those before extended season happens because they're only going to just start going back up in value. Right. Um, whereas right now, right before Scars of Mirrodin comes out, all that stuff's starting to drop. Um, you know, Path to Exile is going to be a staple in the new extended for four years. Um, there's just no question about that, but Path is having in value right now. Yeah. So it's only going to go back up come January, and now's the time to just say, all right, I've been holding off. I didn't want to pay 15 16 bucks for my play set of Path. I'll pay $8 now. I'll pay right. $6 now. Um, you know, now's your time to buy all that stuff. Just to put one more thought there, the thing I think is going to have the biggest drop at this point is probably Grave Titan. That's actually, I was just going to say, I have one more card to ask you about, yeah. Grave Titan. No, I think it's, I, I'm really surprised it's still maintaining value. Like, mm -hmm. um, most dealers were buying it at 15 and selling it at 25 here this weekend, mm -hmm. and it, it's the least played Titan. It got hype early, people were comparing it to Primeval Titan, and, you know, we're, what, a month and a half, two months into M11's release now. And there hasn't been a single Grave Titan deck show up competitively anywhere. Right. Chapin was running Ch it. Chapin was running it in the sideboard. It doesn't, doesn't do? necessarily mean, you know, it's it's not prime, Primeval Titan level yeah, at all. It's not like you're showing up at French Nationals and, like, six of the eight decks have four Primeval Titans in them. Right. Um, it just, it, I don't see how that card's still maintaining its value, given that it doesn't see a lot of play. And mm -hmm. it's not super casual friendly. You know, right. casual players really like Primeval Titan because for... There's a lot of cards that'll put creatures into play for you, but there's not much that just let you tutor any lands that you want. Right. Um, it just... It, I think that at some point we're going to see a correction where the Titans that are seeing more play, like uh, Sun Titan or Inferno Titan or Frost Titan, mm -hmm. are going to eat some of the value of Grave Titan, and Grave Titan's just going to drop. Um, Sun Titan would probably be close to the $20 range right now if it wasn't the pre-release card. Yeah, totally agree. Right. I wonder if Grave Titan is also not seeing uh, as as much play because black as a color really isn't seeing a ton of play except for kind of splashes here and there. Like, I mean, it's part of Jund, but, you know, Bloodbraid Elf is the engine for Jund, right? Yeah. And, and so, I mean, Jund can play Grave Titan, and I've heard people trying that, but, you know, it it's... Black seems to be, like, the weakest color right now, really, like... Yeah, on definitely. the whole, and so. even even Aaron Forsyth said as much, like on Twitter or something the other really? day, was like we were kind of we didn't quite expect black to be as weak as it is right now. It's right. kind of like what he said. So he's aware, you know, that like Wizards is aware of the and problem. That, that's too. good to know. Right? I think there's going to be a big correction to that though, because if you've been following the uh, the previews for the new sets, the the whole storyline behind a new mirror and block is that. Phyrexia invades Mirrodin. Right. And Phyrexia has traditionally just been black. Black, right. Right. And, you know, if, if that's any indication, there's probably going to be some really good black cards that are coming up in these sets just because if it's representing an entire half of a warring force in a world against black, you got to imagine that this is going to be torment level of let's have Nintuko Shades and Mutilates and stuff like that. Right. You know, I, I don't think they're going to have the color skew like they did with Torment. But I think the power level of let's really push black, given how lackluster it's been over the last few years, and how important 
branding Phyrexia is for Wizards, um, you, you're going to see some really good black cards over the next year. And that's especially the case if the rumored third set in the block is a split set where half the packs are Mirrodin and half the packs are Phyrexia. Yeah, sounds good. I really hope that that happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, if I was a betting man, which I'm not allowed to say according to DCI rules anymore, <laughs> uh, I would say that there probably will be a third split set. Um, yeah. Because it just makes too much sense with what they've trademarked and how they've set up that block. Right, right. So uh, just to wrap this up, I wanted to uh, to mention your new column on Star City, Ben's 10, right? Or, yeah. Right, right? So, so what is it? I guess talk talk a little bit about that. Well, quick. over the years, I've done top 50 lists of different cards in Magic, like the 50 best card drawing cards, the 50 best green cards, and those lists take days to do. It's just hours and hours of research and then making sure that I have stuff that makes sense in the context of the list. And I wanted something that was just a little more digestible and a little easier for me to put out on a regular basis. Um, and who doesn't love debating top 10 lists? Absolutely. Um, Seriously. You know, when, when I was discussing this with Evan Irwin, uh, the whole concept, he said, sounds good. You know, what's your first list going to be? I said, let's do top 10 cards and shards because it's about to rotate. Yeah. Um, and he says, all right, want to see the list before it goes up. I ship it to him. And he says, man, I really would put Path to Exile number one and put Blood Braid number two. I said, well, Jun's been dominating for, yeah. you know, 18 months or however long it's been. Yeah. Of course you got to have Blood Braid there. He says, well, Path to Exile, it's getting played in other formats and it shows up more. And I said, well, Bloodbraid Elf is the card that people were discussing get banned from the format. He said, well, <laughs> Path to Exile, you know, it's showing up more now. And even though Bloodbraid had longer dominance, Path is the bigger card now. And I said to him, Evan, you just proved why I want to do these articles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Fantastic. And that's on the uh, on the select side, right? Not premium, but it's the, yeah. free, the free side, which the free is now side. called select, right? Yeah, we, we basically revamped the website because when we did the last round of card previews, mm -hmm. um, people were making comments like, I wish I could see what Hoarding Dragon did, but I don't have premium. Right. And it was at the point where new people coming into the game who weren't around before we had the premium service didn't realize we had free columns on the website because they were so far down the page. Oh, right. So we just wanted a way to really just give exposure to people who were doing the free articles. And, you know, one of the misconceptions about the whole uh, Star City Premium versus the free articles is that the free articles are the worst authors, the right. ones not worth reading. But it's really just more of the casual and not as tournament competitive stuff. And, you know, there's lots of people... Uh, who have written for the free side, who have great columns and have huge fan bases, but tournament players want stuff that is going to help them win tournaments, and they're the people who are more willing to put money into the buying a premium right. service. So I hope, I hope I don't make any waves by saying this, uh, or by asking this question, but um, last night somebody met, had made a comment, and I figured I'd bring it up while we're here. Um, somebody asked, like, why are Jamie Wakefield's articles on the premium side? Um, and I, I mean, like, based on what you said, like, he's definitely more, I mean, he's, he's definitely made some successful decks, but on the whole, he's kind of like a rogue deck builder, and he kind of has an affinity for more, like, you know, casual style decks. No, definitely agree. So it was just a question that somebody brought up, and, you know, might as well ask you. Yeah, right? I think in some worlds, maybe it would have been a free column, except the way Jamie pitched the column to us was it was his quest to win a Pro Tour. Right, it's a um, quest for the Pro Tour 2, right? I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if you followed his blog at jamiewakefield.com, but for a year and a half, he basically was trying to break into the MMA and become an MMA fighter. And he just 
found that you know he's a little bit older and he just didn't think that he could go as far as he wanted in that. So he transferred a lot of that to wanting to win a pro tour. And so the quest for the pro tour to him was being a lot more competitive and just basically being at the PTQ to pro tour level, which is a lot of what our premium content would be. Mm -hmm. um, as it turns out, he's, I don't know, Jamie's a good friend of mine, but mm -hmm. he's being a little stubborn about how he's going about it, I think. <laughs> and it's really polarized the audience where I think the way his column has turned out, it may have served better as a free column than as a premium column, just because he does seem to be going a lot more casual than how he had originally pitched it. But, you know, over the last couple of columns, he started playing, like, the red burn decks that the Japanese were using to win their nationals. So, you know, maybe he just decided in the end that he is trying to be more competitive than how he had turned out uh, the first few columns. Right, right. But on top of that, he's also just got married a couple weeks ago. So, you know, that's why he's not publishing right now is because wedding and honeymoon, I, I wouldn't be writing anything. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely. Like, you know, sorry, uh, you know, I have to get out of this wonderful honeymoon suite where we're getting lobster in bed to go write a Star City column. It's like, no <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. So, all right, well, thanks, Ben. We appreciate having you on the show. No, and, definitely. Uh, thanks, guys. Definitely uh, check, out, check out the new, new column by Ben Blyweiss, Ben's 10. And, and next time I promise not to leave Wild Nakato off. So sorry, guys. Oh, <laughs> Thanks again. All right, take care, guys. All right, we're here with uh, Mr. Conley Woods. Mr. Conley Woods. Mr. Sorry. Well, I mean, as opposed to well, okay, Sir Conley. Sir Woods. Conley Woods. Thank sorry, you. that's better. That's better. I am uh, English. I don't. Uh, exactly. We don't want to call a knight uh, Mister. It's, it's a bit. exactly. So uh, we're here at U.S. Nationals. I think the breakout deck of the tournament, even if it didn't make top eight. Was did the, that make a top eight? Somebody said that one of them. Did, no, did, no one top eighted here. They top eighted in uh, the Star City Games. Oh, okay. right, right on. Right the, on. the Soul Sisters deck. Now, did you name it? Was Soul it named after the train or was, the other song? No, it was it was me and Gavin. I don't know. It was kind of a lame name, but it fit, so we couldn't really. It was not named after train though. There was no okay, train. thank God, because I kept thinking about that. It just started hurting my. I think I said earlier in like when we were recording that like it was probably. If it was named after Train, it was one of the lamest uh, no, it was references. In a... It was definitely more Motown influenced. Yeah, see, that, and that's what go. I got out of it, right. So so you guys designed it, like, the night before Nationals, pretty much? I mean, night before Yeah, I had uh, some lists for, like, two weeks. Um, <laughs> and there had been a, a bunch of people throwing around the same type of engines online and stuff. I thought most right. of the lists were bad. Like, Kyle Sanchez probably had the closest list, but even his, like, didn't have Braid Elements, which I think is bad. Um, and he had Lone Missionaries, and I think Core Firewalker's better because... Lone Missionary doesn't really help any matchups that you need help in. Right. Core Firewalker like basically makes you an auto win against Jund. Um, it helps your like uh, blue red uh, combo deck matchups and like it's good against Destructive Force and stuff like that. And it's good against uh, Cunning Spark Mage. Right. Lone Missionary is horrible against it. Um, so like he, he does come out a lot like against Blue White and Mythic and whatnot. But but those matchups you don't need that much. You don't need that particular card slot for. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I sent the list to like Brad Nelson, which is probably how Tom Ross got his, because um, mm -hmm. his list was, I don't know, probably 10 cards different than mine. Plus he, he was running the Lone Missionary, wasn't he? Yeah, he was running Lone Missionary and Core Fisher, which we had in there for a while, but Core Fisher doesn't have a lot of synergy with the deck besides that. Like, you can get the whole, like, I got two Soul Wardens in play, play Core Fisher three times a turn and just gain a bunch of life, but that's not yeah. that. It doesn't do much. Right. Um, but yeah, so uh, his list was a little different. It didn't have the same sideboard things. But me and Gavin ran the same 75. And then uh, a bunch of people at Star City Games did pretty well with the, basically the same 75. I just shipped it to a bunch of friends back in Denver. Uh, and a bunch of them played it. Like J Jake Lemcool was the one who top-aided with it. But uh, 
Yeah, nobody top eight. We all did pretty well, though. Uh, Gavin and Tom and I all won 6-2 with it. So. Wow, okay. So what do you think? I mean, obviously you designed it kind of for a metagame that wasn't maybe as prepared for it. Yeah, it's like all the creature decks are pretty weak to it. Um, you race the combo decks pretty easily, and then you have some hate on the sideboard. And then the uh, Destructive Force decks are just way too slow. Uh, I mean, they're, you know, they cast a Destructive Force on turn 5 or 6, but if you have a Brave Elements or a 4 Firewalker or a 6-6 six, six Flyer or a Gigantic Giant's Primate, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. So um, really the only bad matchup that was in the metagame is Blue-White, and it's mm-hmm. not, like, unwinnable by any means. Um, I actually won both my game 1s against it. Uh, okay. I played it twice on day 1. Um, the first time I beat it 2-0, I got a little lucky. The cyborg plan's completely different. He turned into, like, a Luminarch Ascension plan. Oh. Okay. Um, but then uh, game two and three against the other one, he just had, like, four O-rings and, like, three of his own Elspeth and stuff. Just, like, the perfect cards to get me, so he got me. But uh, that was definitely the matchup I was most worried about, but I split it 50-50. And then played four Mythic decks, a Pyromancer Ascension, and no idea what the eighth deck was. Right. <laughs> Something. Uh, so uh, what do you feel like? Do you feel like the deck... You, you mentioned blue-white as a weakness. Yeah. Going forward... Uh, now that people are aware of the deck, what do you think are some uh, options that people have to, if they're expecting to play against it a lot? Um, you, I was expecting to play against the mono white against deck. the mono white deck. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I mean, mean, obviously, I'll, Leyline of Punishment is pretty insane. Uh, we do have O Ring and Celestial Purge, but we didn't expect anybody to run that. It's just not good enough in the metagame. Right. But if you're looking to just specifically beat this deck, like a Mythic deck, for instance, like might look to for Leyline of Punishment. They have Birds, Great Ice, and possibly Night of Relicry that can get it out. So oh, you're right, basically right. looking to get an opening hand. Um, but Mythics otherwise are really, really good matchup. They don't really have too many cards that can do anything against you. Um, other cards are like Consume the Meek is really good against us because it kills all of our guys except for Ranger Meals. Oh, right on, yeah. Um, so even oh, though we have no. a 20-20 Pride Mate or a 6-6 Flying Saras and it, Consume the Meek still kills it. Um, so that's like an option out of like Jund or something like that because mm-hmm. Jund's a very good matchup as well. Um, but as far as like, you know, like a Monod Red Dick, really never going to have a chance against you unless they have a Leyline of Punishment or something like that out. Um... Uh, so, I mean, there's not too many cards that, like... I mean, the deck probably will stick around. It won't be as good as it was, like, today. It'll yeah. probably stick around as, like, an option in the metagame. I don't think it'll be, like, insane or anything like that. But it's pretty consistent. You just... Your draw engines are really good. You have Survival Cash and Ranger Vios that just both draw you two cards, basically. And then all these, like, little dorks that just get huge. So, I mean, it's, it's a it's a pretty good overall deck, I would say. Are there any changes... <coughs> are there any changes that you think you would make to the deck uh, going forward if you were... Or, or, I guess, for players who are interested in playing the deck, do you think there's some things that... Could have been tightened up, maybe? Um, not right now. Like, once the metagame shifts to adapt to it, then I'd have to look at it again. But, like, okay. um, for all my friends in Denver or whatever, even after I got done playing an entire day of the deck, I literally told them to play the exact same list. And, like, one of my friends was going to play in the Cruise Qualifier with the exact same list. So I think it's really good for right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, once the metagame adapts, then you obviously have to adapt the deck to, to get it to work better. Cool. So uh, well, I've, I've heard that... Do you run Felidar Sovereign in the sideboard? No. We I've ha- been hearing people, like, I've been picking it's up Felidar Sovereigns for it, the... I don't think it's very good. Like, we had one in the side... Or we had... Original plan against Blue White is to bring in Felidar Sovereigns, but their plan against you is just to Wrath, Day Judge... Or, uh, to Day Judgment, Path Exile, uh, O-Ring, and, like, Condemn. Condemn doesn't do against Felidar Sovereign, but there's stuff against your other guys. So then, like, you bring it in, and you have to bring in, like, a Myria with it, but then they have Tectonic Edges, and it's just not good. To, they just kill it. So instead, we actually... Went down to one Felidar Sovereign and then still determined it wasn't good enough and then just made it one Sun Titan instead. Because post-board, you're literally just playing a Luminarch Ascension and then trying to, like, Tectonic Edge their Celestial Colonnades, Path their Bane Slayers, and O-Ring their, like, Planeswalkers or their O-Rings on your um, your Luminarch Ascension. And then you just Sun Titan back your, you know, O-Rings or Ascension or Tectonic Edge or whatever, and you just try to cement that game plan. But Felidar Sovereign really doesn't do anything for the deck. Like, 
if you're over 40 in game one, like you should either just be winning with giant guys or you know buying yourself enough time or whatever. But the deck's not really just trying to like let's see if we can get to 100. Like people think that you're just trying to gain infinite life. You're really just <laughs> over trying to 9,000. Yeah, How many times are going to reference that this week? You're really just trying to get to the, like 35 to 40. The like the, the the above 30 with a cushion, so you can your guys will still stay big. Um, and then once you hit 30 and you like attack with a Saracen, then you're usually fine for the rest of the game because you're big enough. Um, against Ascension, I did take 41 game. I was at like 69, so it's fine. But like the 69 is usually like excessive like you don't have to be that high like you really like I said just looking to get above 30 make your ascendance bigger your pride mates will get bigger naturally as the game goes on if you do get like five soul wardens or in play whatever that's cool too you're not going to complain but uh it's not like let's see how high the life we can get to kind of deck because you're, you're still in the aggro deck at the end of the day see now well, now what was actually being mentioned was the mirror match was the mirror match and, and people anticipating seeing more of this deck and then seeing the mirror match do you think that Felidar is a, is a decent answer in like the mirror uh, yeah Felidar is probably a decent answer in the mirror um, I mean there's not too many cards that are like awesome to me like Day Judgment would be good on the sideboard too um, if you played correctly I mean they're still going to have O-rings and pass for your Felidar Simons because they're right. bringing those in no matter what so you still could get caught off guard uh, but yeah, the mirror match, uh, I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, Chewy from the Mana Pool podcast uh, mm-hmm. just recently posted uh, his first uh, video on Facebook of him doing stand-up. Uh, do you have any uh, tips for him? <laughs> uh, not really. Like, what kind of, do you know what kind of he did? Is he like, is it one-liners or is he more of a storyteller? He was. It was more storyteller. I haven't okay. seen it yet. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it could use a little work. Yeah, I, I mean, everyone's always nervous at first. Like, it took me a while to kind of like get into it. I mean, I did it for like three years, so I was pretty comfortable by the end. But uh, no, it's just like anything. You just gotta work at it. You're gonna always be nervous your first couple times you go up. Just the more times you do it, like even like little small clubs and stuff like that, will just get you kind of more comfortable with the scene and stuff like that. Because it's not so much how many people are there; it's just being in front of people. Period. Like even doing it like home in front of your family or whatever. Um, and I guess, like, just like deck building and magic, like, you just always have to be open to new ideas. Like, no matter how stupid a joke, like, seems like it might be, like, eventually, like, you might figure out, like, that little missing piece that just puts it all together. So it's really just, like, persistence. Basically, I mean, most of the stuff I've ever done well at has just been, like, not giving up on your once once you run into that wall or whatever. Cause, right, just keep it your head Yeah, just keep, keep running against it. And other people, <laughs> are gonna be, other people are gonna be like, oh, that's a stupid idea, and give up really quickly. And, like, you know, you just keep at it, and you find that, you know, piece of gold. And, I don't know. Sounds good. So, uh, are there any videos of you online doing stand-up? There aren't. I didn't, uh, I mean, I'm sure some people at home or, like, that watch me or whatever have some videos of me, but I don't yeah. know who. Uh, I never got any videos of myself. Um, uh, I applied for a Comedy Central contract, um, and I did well in that, but that was all um, off-market. They, they have videos of it, but they, they won't release them because right. of whatever. There was, like, ten people competing, basically. It was almost like a... Uh, like a last comic standing, but not on TV. Oh, but like okay. dance, do the same kind of thing. Like, like do a skit here. Like you, you have to write about this. You have to do this. And we lived in a, a, a hotel for like a week and did it. It was pretty cool to, out in LA. Um, and I did pretty well in it, but I didn't get the, the contract. But they have like all those videos, and they don't release them because they might use them in the future. Cause they right. own the rights to them or whatever. Um, but I don't really have any videos of myself. Like I have some like really early stuff from like in front of my parents when I was like 15 <laughs> and stuff like that. But it's, there it's you like, go. It's, it's on like, YouTube. It's like me talking about like homework jokes and <laughs> stupid stuff that like nobody would ever like. Isn't lunch cafeteria food weird? Yeah. <laughs> it's it bad. That's awesome. Well, yeah. Uh, 
I would definitely like to see you know current stuff if you uh, if you end up. Yeah, I haven't it done up. anything like. Um, I mean, the, the problem with stand-ups it takes a ton of time. Like, like mm-hmm. sure you're only on stage for like ten or fifteen minutes, but the amount of prep and like the amount of writing and research you have to do is a lot. It's like literally very comparable to Magic. Like you'll test for three weeks for Magic to play in a one-day event. Right. The same thing for Sam. So it's very difficult to do them side by side just because like they both require so much time. Um, so once I started like doing really good at Magic and you know traveling more and stuff, I kind of put the the comedy on the back burner. I haven't done a show in a year and a half or something like that basically since college uh, a little like junior year of college probably, probably close to two years but um, yeah it's 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 fun but like I said a lot of a lot of time consuming I still like you know when I think of jokes or whatever I write them down every once in a while just for a future like if I get anything but I haven't right. put together like a, a running skit or anything like that in a while so um, it's definitely fun uh, it doesn't pay as well as you would like it to pay obviously um, right. And I don't know, I just get a little more enjoyment out of magic, so it's a little higher priority than me. Um, comedy's fun, but you can also just, like, in everyday conversation, just be a funny person, whereas you can't just be, like, <laughs> you know, at lunch and, like, hey, Sarah, let's play magic and bust out your magic deck, whereas right. you can always just, you know, have a laugh or whatever. So um, I definitely focus more on magic just because it, the rewards are higher for me. So, Cool. Sounds good. Well, thanks, Conley. Appreciate cool. having you on the cast. Yep, not a problem. EOMTG Taps is available every Friday on StarCityGames.com. Visit our website, IWantMyMTG.com, for past episodes, t-shirts, free stickers, and more. You can contact us at YoMTGTaps at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at YoMTGTaps. Next time on Yo MTG Taps. But the worst is Anakin Skywalker. The, like an EDT actually said this. He's like Anakin Skywalker is the most overbloated record because he's an idiot. He'll get in a lightsaber fight with anybody, <laughs> whether or not he's gonna but win. Did he kill a million people off camera? Children. Like, <laughs> no wings or W's, man. <laughs> they had practice sabers. The sabers, the sabers on Coruscant don't cut. Dude, they're like, <laughs> they just, they're they're like Bella's lightsaber. They're like a, they make a noise, but they just bounce off each other. He kills old mono children. When you show up, when you they show had up. the mask on. They can't see. They're like when you show up with do- time vaults and when you show up with time vaults okay. and chases like and ancestral and Yagmas one. Other people are playing stupid shop decks. Okay. It's like taking, you know, no, it's like no, killing let me explain children. This to you. The children have the helmet on, the blinders are on, you know, they can't see. They're like, today we're going to work on the force. You're going to just imagine where the ball is going to be, and it's going to shoot a little beam at you, and you're going to try to deflect it with your little plastic lightsaber. Are you ready, kids? The kids couldn't even see, and they have plastic lightsabers. And Vader's like, yo, gonna win one.